Welcome to another edition of Len's Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. So the first NFL exhibition game has already begun with the Hall of Fame game in Canton this week, and it will continue until the Super Bowl in February. Now, I already see the memes and the posts that they're so excited the NFL football is back. But did it ever really go away? ESPN hasn't stopped coverage since it ended last February until now. And what is the obsession with the pro game that people just can't wait for? They can't wait for seasons anymore to run its course. It's the equivalent of rushing my summer in August to get to the fall. Hashtag don't rush my summer. So when I was growing up, Baseball was America's pastime, and it was as American as apple pie and Chevrolet. Going to a game, seeing the green grass, enjoying batting practice, hot dogs, Cracker Jacks, peanuts, and then the game, of course. But why is it that everyone now thinks the game is too slow for them? Have you ever actually went to an NFL game in person? Do you know what the average time of actual action is? Well, I'll explain. The players will actually run around, return to the huddle, and repeat, but the time the players actually play the game is astoundingly small. It's only 11 minutes. Yes, I'll repeat that, 11 minutes in an entire three-hour game. That's the time the ball is actually in play. But yet everyone loves these three-hour games. But a three-hour baseball game? Oh, that's boring. Three hours, 320, 245, what does it really matter? Now, of course, I do like football, too, and I don't want to get that uh, off. I do like it, but why can't we enjoy both? Baseball is beautiful. It has no time clock. I don't get it. I love the game, the strategy of the pitcher and the batter and the game. You can enjoy the game sitting and watching and being outside in the warm weather and being able to feel your toes after, unlike a game in the NFL in December. The reason I bring this up is because I got to bring my son with me to New York recently to watch a couple of baseball games, the Mets at City Field and the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. They were new stadiums to both of us as I had been to Shea and the old Yankee Stadium, but never to the new ones. But we were able to exchange stories of old-time baseball and just enjoy the two games where we were off our phones, although the stadiums love you to be on your phones regardless. But we, although the home teams didn't win, we actually enjoyed ourselves. My son actually kept score in the old school days, I used to do that. So it was kind of nice to see him do that. And it's a memory that will not be forgotten. And yes, it was baseball. As the great James Earl Jones once said in Field of Dreams, the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been a race like a blackboard rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time, this field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. And while I most certainly agree, and of course I didn't do that speech justice like the great James Earl Jones, but with that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. She's making her second appearance on Lens Burning Bush. She's an accomplished radio veteran grabbing headlines and boosting ratings in radio for almost 20 years. Multiple Gracie Award winner, her and her partner of 11 years, Anthony Michaels, have relaunched the successful syndicated show, The Cooper and Anthony Show. She's also a prolific author, PhD in psychology. Her seventh book, Celebritocracy, is out. And let's uh, welcome the lovely, extremely talented, and my friend Cooper Lawrence to Lens Burning Bush. 
Hello, Cooper. Look at you being the only person I've ever known since I started uh, promoting photography that actually pronounced it right the first time. I'm very impressed with you. <laughs> I have to be honest. Uh -huh. um, I was having difficulty this morning. And I went to the show that we did last year, you and I. And I had to make sure that I was pronouncing it right. So I listened to you say it, and that's how I did it. So there you go. Oh, so I cheated so a nice. little bit. That's a real friend. That's a real friend. Hey, do I tell people how we know each other? Because I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking, what an interesting way to start a friendship. Yes. Well, we work together in... Um, in New York at uh, the Fortune Off building over at Metro. But you and That's I, right. it was kind of nice. I was working a split shift. And this is kind of an interesting thing. Um, I was working. We did traffic. Let, wait, yes. hang on. Let people know. Oh. We did traffic. We were traffic reporters. That's, That's how we started our careers. That's correct. I forgot that we were doing traffic. <laughs> we were doing the traffic reporting. And what was interesting is you invited me because I, I, I lived up far north um, and I was having to come back in the next morning. Uh, after a split shift, and you said, hey, you could stay at my place. So I, you were kind enough to, to offer me uh, a bed to stay in. And, um, of course, there were always rumors, Cooper, but, you know, nothing ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how we no, know each no. other. Yeah, you've always been like a brother to me, and I always, like, you were one of the few people that I always trusted from the beginning. You were just like, we were... Um, brother and sister working, and we were like in the trenches there. Because if you remember, when we first started doing traffic, it was like it was chaos because you didn't just go in and do one station, you did like 40 stations. And you spent the whole time going from ISDN line to ISDN line to, and then they would run over some of us and have us do like a TV hit on New York One or uh, like New Jersey 12, NJ 12, or whatever. Like, so. <laughs> It was, we spent the whole day, you, you hit the ground running when you were doing traffic. There was no breaks. There was no, if you didn't get your coffee when you first started, you weren't having coffee that shift. No, agreed. And it was rough. I mean, you, you people think about, you know, you're going from one to the other, but you had to be on. Like I was part of some of, you know, you were part of morning shows. I was part where you would have to be funny too. Like you couldn't just do the report. Yep. You had to make, so you had to go from one to the other. Yeah, it was, uh, and outros, uh, you had to make sure you had them written down because if you're doing many of them, you might say the wrong name. Exactly. And and they would keep switching staff. So one minute you're talking to somebody at one station, they're like, uh, yeah, that guy doesn't work here anymore. It's like, okay, what's the new guy's name? Hurry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, but, you know, traffic yeah. is fun. Traffic, you know, I, I do. I did some traffic here in Cincinnati area as well uh, for a while. Um, and now I do play-by-play uh, -play for high school football still. I'm still involved in the radio. I have a real job during the week, but it's um, it's kind of fun to still do the radio, and I enjoy it. And you have been doing your show, but we'll get to that in a second. But I wanted to get your opinion on what I said about baseball. I I don't understand why everyone yeah. everyone needs action, action, action. But do you realize that football has 11 minutes of action in an entire game, but yet everybody loves it? It's like, oh my God, it's football. And we love football. We got our football. As if, you know, they hit each other. And, you know, that's been going away a little bit, too, with all the rules. But what are your thoughts about baseball, um, between baseball and football? Not enough violence. That's the problem. Is, you know, I remember, I don't know anything about sports ball. Like, I'm not a sports ball girl. But my ex-husband was a baseball player. 
and um, not retired, like doesn't didn't make the big leagues or whatever. But I remember um, he was watching one of the World Series, and there was a baseball fight, and he stood up and he started yelling, "Baseball fight! Baseball fight! Baseball fight!" Like he couldn't believe it. And I came running in from the other room because I was like, "Well, now baseball's interesting. Like who's fighting with who?" And it was this big like pile on. And I think that's what people like about football is that it's aggressive. You hit other people. You know, it's it's hockey. That's the whole thing about hockey is that it's all about, um, you know, it's more about fighting than it is about making. I don't, are they called goals? Whatever the whenever you put the the thing in the net. Um, but <laughs> I think I think you know baseball. It's not that it's slow. It's that it's it's very hands off. You know, there's not a lot of aggression. There's not somebody hip checking somebody else. It's like my turn, your turn. Okay, it's all it's all too pleasant for people. And I think if you're somebody that you know is like really into like playing video games and even like sport video games are more aggressive. So it's weird that you play an aggressive sport video game and then you watch the actual thing and it's like, wait, this is boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You explain it so well. I just, like I said, I, I just, I don't agree with you, but I, I do like the way you explained it. I, I, I like, like I said, I've always liked baseball. I just enjoy it because you could sit. So what bothered me this past weekend when I went is that constantly uh, during the time of the game, they have to get people enter, entertained, right? It's, it's the constant contests and all the things that they do now, but it's like, get on your phone and tweet to us and do this. And it's like, right. I, I, I want to spend this time off the damn phone. I don't want to be on the phone all the time that they, people want you to be on the stupid device. And it's like crack, you know, you, it's nice to be away from the phone for a little bit and to watch a couple of hours of a sporting event, but they want you involved. Like the, you know, T-Mobile thing, tweet your pictures and having a good time. Get off, get off the damn phone. That's what I want to see. Right. Well, but, you know, one of my best friends works for MLB.com. And the one thing that she always tells me is about how uh, the fan interaction off, like when the games are not on, is, is probably more uh, passionate than when they're. Because think about, it, you know, how often do you actually get to go sit in a game? That's a finite number of people that can actually go to a game, sit in the stands, especially with COVID. But yet you can get on your phone and interact and you can interact with your team and your players. And they like to keep people interested. They like to give them um, like fun things to do, like make a banner or wear a silly costume, like but and tweet it to us. So for them, that really is the community. It's it's not that they're trying to get you on your phone while you're watching a game. It's the fact that they're they're asking you to stay part of the MLB community. And that's the best way to do it. And I will tell you, there's actually a lot of research about this that says that um, people that are lonely, and right now during COVID, there's a lot of people that have been like exceedingly lonely and couldn't wait to get out of the house. They don't, they don't have wives and husbands and families, you know. So the MLB community has been really important to them. So they, if you're at a game and I can't go, and maybe I'm a Mets fan living in Kentucky, yeah. and I, I want to see what's going on back in New York. You're my access to that. And that has a lot of value for somebody that really loves the game but can't access it. Sure. Again, you make sense. This is this is this is two two for two today, Cooper. You're, you make too <laughs> much you make too much sense. And that's you know, you're you're hundred percent right. And I know why they do it. I just 
I just, like I said, I, I think we, we spend a lot of time on our phone. But, yes, there is some benefits to it, and you're right. Uh, I didn't think about it that way. So, yes, you, you were, again, Cooper, I hope your uh, boyfriend <laughs> tells you this. You're right, again. Yep. <laughs> this, yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, speaking of which, I enjoy thoroughly your tweets. And one of the things that I, I do like is a tweet that you posted this past week, and, 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 I, and I, I, I loved it. I actually laughed out loud. Um, the tweet was, I, I pretend not to like my boyfriend's friends, so he doesn't invite them over. But the truth is, I just don't want to put on a bra. And yep. that's, I mean, <laughs> just like these are the things that I enjoy. But, you know, what's interesting about these tweets is it's 100 percent accurate. It's not. I mean, I don't who wants to go anywhere sometimes. You just want to yeah. hang out at the house. And let's be honest, you girls have it so rough anyway. I don't know how you. I know. You know it's like Elaine said with uh, when he took it out. He says, "I don't know how you got walk around with those, those things." You know, how do you walk <laughs> around with those things? It's kind of kind of the way I, I look. I know at it. it's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, yeah, because my boyfriend was like, uh, he's got some friends that were like, "We should get together. Maybe we can come over." And, I, and the minute he said come over, I was like, "I have to get dressed. I got to put on a bra. I have to shower. I mean, I shower anyway, but yeah. like, I want to be able to, you know, live my own life." So. I was like, yeah, I don't, maybe not him. I don't really like that friend of yours. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, everything I tweet about with my boyfriend, you know, it seems like I'm, I'm making stuff up, but it's a hundred percent our lives, you know, and it's just, um, it's, it's the way I cope. It's the reason we've been together 11 years because, um, every once in a while, the things about him that drive me crazy, if I can tweet about them and make it funny, then I feel like I could, I could cope with his. Uh, eccentricities <laughs> a little more <laughs> well I've always said the hardest part of any relationship is the living together part because you never no one ever understands it's like you no one everybody has a different idea what's clean what this and living together and the, you know once the sweatpants comes out you know you know you're you pretty much have lost the romance we know that but the living together part if you could date your significant other and not live with them you, you know, it might be a little bit better experience in the long run, but I think that's what it is. You, you just have so much that you see. It's like, oh, you did this again. Can you take the garbage out? Can you do, you know, it's like there's so many things that are on your mind that of things that, you know, you do when you live together. But this is why I never got married. I've been with him 11 years and we're just boyfriend and girlfriend because I want him to know that at any minute I can walk out the door, <laughs> you know, and so can he. And that, Neither one of us are legally or financially tied to the other one. So we're here because we want to be here. Like every day we wake up and it's like, should we do this again? Yeah, we'll do this again. Yeah, one place you probably won't be going. You talked about KFC announcing a KFC-themed pop-up hotel with a press for chicken button. This way when I go through the Bible in the nightstand, I can check gluttony, a gluttony rather, off the list. <laughs> I thought that that was good. But that's true. But isn't that amazing? So KFC, here's the cool thing about this. I'm not, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't even have a dog in this fight or a chicken in this fight. But um, KFC has announced that they are doing a pop-up. They're doing this in, starting in London. They're going to do them in cities all around the world. It's a pop-up hotel where you stay for the night. It's 160 bucks a night. You get $200 of chicken free. And all you have to do, there's a big red button, like a game show. Whenever you want chicken, three in the morning, come home drunk, wake up in the morning, want it for breakfast, doesn't matter. There is somebody available to you 24 hours a day. You hit that button and they bring you KFC, which is really friggin' cool if you think about it. Like, 
I mean, people can be like, they'll hear me in the bedroom, like, oh, mm, oh, like, what is she doing in there? Nope, just eating chicken. Like, not what you think. <laughs> She's just moaning for the chicken. It's literally finger licking good. But here's the best part. 100% of the proceeds, not like 10%, not like a couple of dollars here and there. 100% of the pro- proceeds are going to the KFC Foundation. And this isn't a promo. I don't work for them. They have this really cool organization where they help small businesses and they help young people get their lives started. And 100% of that money is going towards that foundation to help um, young people, minorities, like anybody who wants to start a business and get their life going, go to college, whatever they want to do. That's what the KFC Foundation does. So that money is going towards that. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is very cool. And you reminded me of a story that was told. I went to um, a conference and there was this keynote speaker, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a New York Times bestseller author. But he brought up a very good point about hotels and what considered like five-star hotels and four-star hotels and different things, right? So there was this hotel that was a five-star hotel that he went to in L.A. Mm-hmm. And he gets there, and it's like the building is basic. It's painted. It looks like 1970s. It's not very good. The bed was small. The, the, the shower wasn't very good. He gets there and it's like, why is this hotel rated five stars? And he goes through this whole thing and he gets down to the pool. And the pool is just a basic pool, right? But he sees a red phone by the pool. And we wonder, what the heck is this red phone? So apparently the kids would get on the red phone and within minutes, people would bring popsicles to the kids. Oh, So popsicles kind of reminded me of the KFC. You had to actually pick up a phone instead of pressing a red button, but they would bring popsicles. So parents, they loved this and they gave the Mm. hotel a review. It's all about perception, right? The hotel's (laughs) a dump, but yet they bring you popsicles and it's, you know, (laughs) sitting there, you know, it's, it's the same thing, right? Your finger looking good, moaning with the chicken. And you could have a popsicle, too. And there's and a, keep your kids quiet. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I heard yeah, some stories about popsicles and girls. And we're going to we're going to we're, we're going <laughs> to kind of gloss over that because it's a yes, family. We are. It's a family yeah, show. It's a family show. Absolutely. Hey, I have a question for you. Oh, look at this. And it's a sports ball question. OK. So have you been following this whole Kyrie Irving Nike story? Actually, no. To be honest with you, what is the story? Great. Okay, I'm fascinated by this because it's, well, mostly because it's about shoes. That's why. So Kyrie Irving is a basketball player for the the Nets. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Right. That's right. Okay. So he, uh, years ago, a few years ago, he signed to Rock Nation. That's Jay-Z's company. That's Jay-Z's agency, like sports agency, right? So Kyrie Irving signs a deal to them. And the reason why he signed with them is because they said, you know, most basketball stars get between seven and nine million dollars from Nike for sneakers. We can get you 11 million. So he was like, done. So he signs with Jay-Z. He gets an 11 million dollar deal with Nike and he starts putting out sneaker after sneaker after sneaker. And he's very involved with it. I think he doesn't realize a lot of celebrities, you're supposed to just lend your name and then sort of go about your business, but not him. He's like super involved. So, uh, McKyrie eight. So that it's up to like eight sneakers now, eight or nine. I think it's eight. Um, was coming out. It's, it's supposed to come out. I think like September or whatever. If you're a sneakerhead, you probably know this and you're yelling right now what the date is. And I don't know it, but, um, he didn't like the sneaker. So he posted 
I did not approve this sneaker. How dare Nike do this? This thing is a piece of junk. I, I'm not associated with this. When you get this sneaker, just know that I have nothing to do with it. And they didn't ask me what I thought. And, and he basically berated Nike and told them, you know, to go F themselves. And then he told Jay-Z to go F himself and fired Rock Nation as his agent. Wow all over this sneaker because they didn't consult with him. They just put out what the sneaker was going to be. They made the announcement. He got on social media. And I saw this story and I was like, okay, it's about shoes. So I like that. We yeah, could talk about it Of course, I know show. you like shoes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we, talk, we talked about this on my show. I was fascinated by this because doesn't he have some kind of clause in the Nike contract that says uh, STFU? Yeah. <laughs> like, shut, shut the you-know-what yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, right. Like, you can't post negative things about us you can't there must be something in the contract that says if you have a problem deal with it internally don't post you know publicly about it but he did he did and he just issued an apology he said um, when you build something great sometimes there comes a point when you need to recalibrate and refocus to ensure everyone involved is aligned uh oh i guess it's 11 so yeah, he's on to the... So anyway, so they were saying it's unfair to blame Nike. And he's apologized and said, you know, he just, like, basically was having a bad day and whatever. What do you make of all this? I think it's really weird. I think the whole thing is weird. Like, if you don't like your sneaker and you don't like your agency, why, what are you tweeting about this? Why is this all over Instagram? There should have been a discussion between Nike him, himself and, and Jay-Z but I think people just go to social media. They think that, again, he thinks he probably had more to do with the sneakers uh, through it. Like you said, he should have just put his name to it and not worried about it so much. Because here's the problem that I, I have with the sneakers. Why are they $250 and kids can't get them? That's the problem that I have. That he should be more concerned instead of that. It's like there was um, uh, Starbury shoes back in the day. Stefan Marbury made shoes that were $15 so kids could afford it. That's what I would rather see. And he probably should have just shut his mouth. But I, I don't I don't know why you would need to badmouth the... It's like the hand that feeds you, right? Nike yeah. gave you $11 million, gives you that platform, and then you diss them. It's like, don't, you know, you know what will you eat? I mean, that's not a good thing. Right. Well, to be fair, the kids version of the shoes are on sale right now for $43. They're normally 60 and the adult sizes are between 110 and 130 which is still not cheap for sneakers. But no, that's, that's not you, bad. Yeah, but it's, but you know, that's what you're going to pay these days for sneakers anyway. Yeah. So especially if you're like a Nike buyer. So I just, yeah, I don't understand that. And it's probably in his contract. Like, even you and I know this, yeah. that there's something in any contract you sign with any big public uh, I don't know who your sponsors are, but like my sponsors, yeah. I know that I'm not allowed to say anything. If I have a sponsor, I worked for a radio station once, and it was a, during a time when McDonald's had done something really messed up. And McDonald's was one of our sponsors. And it was a big story. It was like the big news story of the day. And we couldn't talk about it. Right. We were the only radio station in our area not talking about this huge McDonald's story that everybody else was talking about because they were our sponsors. We knew to do that. Like, Kyrie Irving doesn't know that he's not supposed to be bad-mouthing the person who handed him $11, $11 million? I know. I know. It's amazing what they think they, they are. You know, it's like you need to 
you have people that pay you and you have to unfortunately there's been companies that we've all worked for cooper that we didn't like the company that we worked for let's be honest yep but we didn't go bad mouthing them because we know that that's not a good thing even if you are right which most of the time you are and maybe Kyrie is a hundred percent accurate in the statement he didn't like the shoe the shoe's garbage it probably is garbage but that being said you're not supposed to say that. It's yeah, your, handle that internally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let somebody else tweet that, not you. That's not right. not a good – it's never a good look to air dirty laundry in public. Never. Right. That's I don't true. like it on any level. If you have an argument – and it just seems like more and more of these sports guys will do that. They they have – like even, even um, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he was having a, a problem with his team, and, you know, he's Aaron – like you, you just talk to – Sit in a room and yeah. get it done. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know what goes behind. We don't want to know. It's like you, you go to a restaurant. Do you really want to know what happens in the kitchen? You don't want to know. Oh, well, I do, I do want to know what happens in the kitchen. But I don't want to know if Aaron, Aaron Rodgers has a problem. You know, why is it my business? I feel like that's the problem with a lot of celebrities right now is they tell us too much about themselves and too much about what they think. And, you know, during the whole election year, I'm torn about this because I understand, look, celebrities are Americans. I mean, American celebrities are American and they can say whatever they want to about whatever political leaning they have. But they have to know it's going to have a negative impact on their sales, their next movie, their, you know, whatever you do for a living. It's going to have a negative impact because whatever side you take, the other side is going to stop going to your movies and buying your products. I mean, that's why I think people like Paul Rudd. I have no idea who Paul Rudd voted for, and I don't no, care. I don't either. I don't want to know. I want to go back to the right. time when we would never talk about politics and religion. That's yeah. what I want. I, I don't like either one of them. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. You know, I don't yeah. care who you yeah. voted for. I don't care. Uh, I like the not knowing. I used to love Johnny Carson because he would make fun of everyone equally, and he never talked about politics busy. He, he said... You know, again, it's like Stephen Colbert. All these people are now coming out and Jimmy uh, Kimmel. And you know what? I don't want to hear it. Even if I agree with you, I don't want to hear it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's uh, but on the other hand, see, comedians, it's a little bit different because comedians, it's their job to talk about what's going on in the moment. Um, I'm curious about something like, did you see what happened with Michael Che this week? No, I didn't. I must. I see. I must be living in a bubble because I don't. I don't hear a lot of these stories. Look at this. This is why. This is great to have you on because uh, I, I love hearing this. Go ahead. Okay, so Michael Che, for people that don't know, he is the head writer. He's one of the two. The two head writers for SNL are Colin Jost and Michael Che, and they also do Weekend Update. And the way it works on SNL, in case you don't know this, anytime you see somebody on Weekend Update, those are the head writers. Part of your job as head writer is also to anchor weekend update so there's che and jose and that's what they do so michael che now that snl is on hiatus has been out there trying to do stand-up comedy he's got a show on hbo where he's basically doing stuff there but you know he's a comic he's a stand-up and that's how he got started so he's still out there doing stand-up comedy and i understand that comics like nothing's off the table especially when you're a comic who does political stuff i get that But the day that Simone Biles came out and told us all that she was having um, mental health issues and the twisties and she was going to be kind of backing away from, uh, you know, the Olympics and she wasn't sure if she was going to compete, that day 
that night he went on stage and did some rape jokes about Larry Nasser and made, did some oh. jokes about her and and, you know, did, and did jokes about her and, and what she's going through and whatever. They were funny. They were funny jokes, yes. But it was like the day that she announced or the, or the next night or whatever. And it was just everyone on Twitter got on there. There was not one person supporting him saying, well, he's a comic. That's what they do. Nobody was saying that. No. They were all like, they were all like, that's punching down. Um, don't black women have a hard enough time in this society as it is. So, but I have heard people, my boyfriend, one of them saying like, but that's what comedians do. They make jokes about what's going on in the moment in pop culture. So I was wondering what you thought about that. Is it, is it bad? Is it like, what's, what are your thoughts on that? I, I enjoy good comedy, but I don't think there's ever good comedy when you're talking about somebody's situation where they were raped. Okay. That's, that's not, I don't care how funny you think that is. I just don't want to hear that. Uh, yeah. I do think that you need to make fun. I mean, let's face it. Uh, Carson and Leno and all of the late night talk shows have made fun of people like, you know, Dan Quayle, for instance, and all these these jokes. And you can certainly do that. Making fun is what they do, and, and they do it in a funny way. And I know they do the celebrity roasts, and they make fun of, of people as well. But that's in a little bit more of a joking manner. It, it, I guess it depends on how it came across. I wasn't there for the moment, but mm. I don't think I would have enjoyed hearing those jokes, especially when we have so many things with mental health. And it's just not, it's just not something I would ever... I would ever talk about. Right. Yeah. I, I felt that it was a little insensitive and it just the timing. And I get, listen, I worked for Joan Rivers, so I understand the concept of comedians making jokes about what's going on in the moment, at the moment. I get it. Right. But I just think it's okay to also self-censor. You know, it's okay, it's, it's okay to be like, well, this is coming across insensitive as opposed to funny. No, agreed. And I think it's harder yeah. too now with everything. I know Jerry Seinfeld has talked about this too. You go on a college tour and it's really hard for, you know, you say anything and, and people get upset about it, but this, that, that just sounded really totally insensitive. And, and, and I yeah. think there, there, there's a line, right? Yeah. If she yeah. would have said, Hey, she's going back or, you know, talking about certain things, but to go into her, you know, obviously there's a troubling past there. We yeah. know that. And, right. and there, I don't think that that's somebody that you should have, you know, you should have went after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We agree. Good. Now I wanted to get your opinion on this cause I know you posted it. Um, I'm a big jeopardy fan. Went through the whole thing. They went through all the guest hosts They went through all these things. And the answer might be who is Mike Richards? And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> couldn't they just had kept him then? Why did we need to go through the whole charade of, you know, Mike Richards being, you know, the executive producer of the show and, they could have just kept them doing it. I, I like the idea of the guest hosts. Um, yeah. I actually think they should keep doing that. Um, the guest hosts would be better uh, in the I long agree. Run. Yeah. I like the idea of the guest hosts, too. Listen, no one can replace Alex Trebek. That's no. all there is to it. There's just nobody that can replace him. It's not like some of these other game shows where they've been through a series, like Family Feud. How many hosts have they had since Richard yeah. Dawson? Like d dozens. And, and it works every time because the show just works. But it's not that Jeopardy doesn't work. It's just that it, it doesn't, you, when you think of Jeopardy, you think of Alex Trebek. So I think it's really hard to replace him. I liked the idea of the several guest hosts. I think they were trying to keep our attention and kind of a buffer between we just lost this amazing man that everybody loves 
and what are we going to do next? When all along, they were probably planning on sticking the executive producer of the show, who's also, I guess, a host. Um, they were already planning on sticking him in. But I'm with you. Yeah, yeah I, anticlimactic. I th- I'm with you. I think the guest host thing was super fun. It was, because whether you liked or not, the two weeks that they did or the week that they did, everybody was big on LeVar Burton or, you know, Katie Couric did a really nice job. I actually liked, it's funny because I don't particularly care for her normally, but I enjoyed Katie Couric doing Jeopardy. I thought she did a fantastic job. And there was a lot of good hosts. I mean, you know, you look at uh, Brad Rutter, you look at, um, I liked um, having uh, Ken Jennings do it for a little bit. I, I enjoyed that, but uh, I don't know. I who was your favorite of the of the of the bunch that went out there? Um, I thought Robin Roberts did a really good job. Yes. I was surprised at how good she was because I, you know, I know that she's a host, but I didn't realize that she, you know, does the. Yeah, I thought she was really good. Lavar Burton was my favorite. Yeah, Lavar Burton was very good. I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed him as well. Uh, was it Bill Whitaker? Was that he was excellent as well. Uh, Bill, oh, I must have missed that. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't, he I was on. He was on, um, but they had several other uh, guests. This last week, uh, David, I can't even. I don't even remember his name. And everybody was like, "Who is this guy?" Like it was just kind of funny that is a he's a financial reporter. It's like, who is this guy? He's on. Right. Everybody didn't you know didn't enjoy it. But I I enjoy Jeopardy, and I'm you know if it's going to be Mike Richards, I'm still going to watch it. But I just think that uh, I loved your answer. Who? No, it really is. Who is Mike Richards? We don't, we, we don't know who Mike Richards is. So um, I, I want, you know, we, we've gone on and on, and I want to talk about your show. So let's get that out there. We got the Cooper and Anthony show. It's on how do, how do we consume it and how do we get it? So, so it's the Cooper and Anthony. It's a podcast. Well, it was a, it's a syndicated show that became a podcast. What happened was we started to syndicate the show and the podcast started taking off. We have um, a, a little under 300 thousand subscribers to the podcast we have 300 a little over three hundred thousand per week of people that listen to our show which is an incredible number um yeah. we have yeah between like uh i think last night's show we had fifty six thousand. we have about fifty six thousand people a night tune in oh or download the show i should say because it's a podcast um and we are the show is number 44 in the united states with the number 44 entertainment show we are number one in fiji Wow. Um, and the show does well around the world. We're number two in Australia, number four in the UK. It's weird. It's like we just were doing something in between radio gigs and the podcast took off. So it's called The Cooper and Anthony Show. And basically anywhere you get your podcasts, if you go to uh, literally any podcast platform you're into, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Podbay, whatever, wherever you want to check out our podcast, uh, The Cooper and Anthony Show, and you will be part of uh, 50,000 people <laughs> Wow, that's a, that's <laughs> who are a, enjoying our show. Well, that is a great group. And you're, you know, I, I know it's great cause you're great. So I know the show and, and Anthony is great as well. So I don't want to, I don't want to slight him. So make sure you tell him that I'm not sliding him as well, but you know, my ro- my loyalty is with you, but that's of course, yeah. uh, exactly. <laughs> but, but no, I enjoy it. I, I think that, uh, like I said, I follow along, um, with the show and the show tweets and, and I, and I enjoy it. And it's good stuff, just like I like to do some some entertainment stuff. I, I think it's nice and easy to do non-controversial things, Michael Che. Uh, do non-controversial things, but you could still be funny doing it, right? You don't right, need, and yeah. the show is the show's a pop culture show. You get your uh, any stories you might have missed from the week, like a lot of the stuff that Len and I just talked about. Like, we'll talk about that on the show. That way, 
you know, the next day at work, if someone's talking about the KFC hotel, you already know about it. You heard. And what's really brilliant about what Anthony has done is he's the, our podcast. The longest one we have is maybe 18 minutes. So it's like five minutes here, six minutes here, and you can download the show in pieces. So if you subscribe to the, the Cooper and Anthony podcast, um, it'll download like five or six pieces and you can listen to one or two or all of them. Um, and they just roll through like a morning show without the music. Well, that's tremendous. And I thank you so much for coming on. I think that um, the fact that you've done it twice now, hopefully there'll be a third time. We'll get you on again. And uh, it's it's always a pleasure to see you. It's a pleasure to hear you. And uh, thank you so much for doing this. You know, you can like Lens Burning Bush. I'm on all those platforms, too. But you can like it on Facebook, at Lens Burning Bush. You could follow along, at Lens Burning Bush on Twitter, which... Thank you, uh, Cooper and Anthony, have, spawn, have, have uh, subscribed to that. The YouTube channel uh, is Len Harvey um, with the hashtag LensBurningBush. So I do take the audio from these shows, and they do show up on the YouTube channel as well. And you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. And you can ask Alexa to play LensBurningBush as well. But make sure you say LensBurningBush podcast, Cooper. We... Uh, We've had some things where if you call it up, it might there might be some <laughs> religious programs or something else for that matter that might not be appropriate. Um, Got but, it. But it's all it's all good, and we're on Pandora <laughs> as well. So it is, uh, it, you know, this is a work in progress. But uh, seventy episodes today, you are number seventy, uh, the seventieth episode. Seventy weeks I've been doing this, and I have not missed a week. Uh, I did not take a va- I, even when I take vacation, I make sure there's a show. So thank you. We, I, we, we appreciate that. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. We appreciate that. <laughs> well, thank you so much to Cooper Lawrence. Uh, I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back with another episode of Len's Burning Bush next week. So long.